0: Today on episode 432 of I Am Salt Lake Podcast, we are joined by Leo Oliveira, the founder and CEO of VetCave. VetCave is a nonprofit dedicated to promoting awareness and assisting veterans diagnosed with PTSD to overcome challenges and develop self-reliance through entrepreneurial endeavors. We also get to talk to Leo on this episode on what it was like for him to be a professional soccer player and his thoughts about a recent 22-day water fast he just did, which blows me away, we're going to get into that here in just a minute. Before we do that, though, let's introduce ourselves. My name is Chris Hollifield, and my name's Chrissy Hollifield. And I want to take just a moment, Chrissy, and all the moms out there. I want to I want to wish you a happy Mother's Day.
1: None of us would be here without them. You so know, thanks, guys.
0: Seriously, my mom, if, if, if my mom wasn't around, I wouldn't be here. And if if uh, if
1: my mom wasn't around, I wouldn't be here. Uh,
0: so happy Mother's Day. Hopefully you all are getting uh, a chance to call your mom, spend some time with your moms and tell her you love her.
1: And thank her for the thing that you really appreciate. Like, I am so grateful that I finally understand that my mom gave me humor. <laughs> you know, now that I'm older, I know how funny she actually is. I love it. And if this is your first time listening to this podcast, You might be asking yourself what it's all about. Well, this podcast is all about showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. We talk to business owners, comedians, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, really anyone that might have a cool story to share.
0: Hey, and make sure to hit that subscribe button in whatever podcast app that you're listening to this in so you never miss an episode. We're here each week with a brand new episode showcasing awesome people right here in Salt Lake City. That are doing really awesome things so with that being said let's jump into that conversation that we had with leo Oliveira and find out about all the cool things that he has going on enjoy the conversation we'll get started i mean i i like to start even with an easy one man he's like where did you grow up where's home where where did all that happen for you
2: yeah so uh i grew up in brazil i was uh in sao paulo my parents are both brazilian uh, come from, uh, uh, an interesting, uh, family of, uh, Portuguese. It's a Portuguese descent basically, uh, that, uh, migrated to Brazil. When I was, uh, three years old, I moved to the United States. My, uh, my brother needed some uh, medical attention. And so we got to live here for four years. Uh, went back to Brazil in the ni- in 1990 and, uh, my dad with all the moving around, uh, and his, uh, entrepreneurial mind ended up getting us to mexico where we lived for 10 years as a family so uh, i've been a little bit uh, around uh, i've been speaking three languages since i was about uh, 12 years old so something interesting about these languages is that uh, in the home we always spoke portuguese with my parents and then we spoke english on tv basically i i I improved my English tremendously at the age of 16 by memorizing Happy Gilmore. (laughs) I approve. And I'm a terrible golfer, just like him. (laughs) But but, uh, my brothers and I, on the other hand, though, because we would hang out outside a lot, right? The kids from our generation actually like being outside my brothers and I, we speak in Spanish and it's as dirty as the Spanish can get. (laughs) So when mom comes around, we flip to Portuguese. And then when she's gone, we go right back to Spanish, you know? So it's a trilingual type experience in our home. And it's been like that since we were little. It's, uh, it's just part of living in different countries. Uh, in Mexico, I had a chance at a very young age to get uh, scouted and play some, uh, professional soccer. So I started out at a very young age. I was, uh, 15 years old, approximately, when when the real thing started, but practicing every day as an athlete since the age of 12, traveling on the bus through Mexico City. My first car was a Volkswagen 19 Bug, you know, 1968. Those things still spin around in Mexico abundantly. <laughs> You'll see them around. <laughs> but uh, it was just a wonderful life. Uh, came to the United States at the age of... Uh, almost 20. I was uh at one point in my life I was LDS and I got to serve in New York City. And then uh after being a missionary for 2 years, I came out here to the Great uh, Brigham Young University and lasted 3 semesters. Right? It wasn't uh
0: you just couldn't handle it. You know, huh?
2: Different culture, it wasn't for me and uh the education system in the US is so uh liberal in a way where you get to choose your classes and and that was, there were just too many options. <laughs> I, I
0: meant, I, I meant more like even just because of the BYU thing, right? You know, <laughs> cause that would be a tough school to go to man. BYU.
2: It was, oh, it was. And, and the rules and, and, you know, the double standards with athlete teams. And it, it wasn't the type of school for me. Uh, I think it's a great school and it does a lot of good things, puts a lot of people in good jobs, but, uh, it just wasn't for me. And, uh, after three semesters, uh, You know, as an international student, my GPA was 1.3. I uh, was struggling with education, and uh, just around that time, I was ended up meeting my wife, and we dated for a while, lived together for a minute, which wasn't a happy place for BYU. And uh, just around, we've been married for almost 14 years now. Um, I joined the army. I think it was like two years after we were married, so this was like 2009. Oh wow. And uh, I remember coming back from a soccer game, um, my friend and I stopped by T-Mobile to pay for a bill at their kiosk and I couldn't get the, probably shouldn't say T-Mobile, but anyway, I couldn't get the kiosk <laughs> to accept my card and it kept rebooting and I couldn't pay for it. And I overheard someone say, look at these foreigners, they can't even operate a kiosk, you know.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: uh I had never experienced something like that before. Oh, and the guy said they should go back to their country.
0: Just here, here in Utah, these people were saying that to you.
2: Uh, it was a T-Mobile store over there in uh, in Orem. and just
1: loud enough for you to hear everything, huh?
2: Yeah, because we were speaking in Portuguese to each other, so this guy probably assumed we didn't speak English. And uh. Uh, I had a good conversation with him that got his manager's attention. And and uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, this I picked on him because I I said. Uh, where was your grandpa from? And where was your great grandpa from? And turned out there was an immigrant there too, you know? And so here I am driving home, I'm crying angry. I've never been discriminated. This guy doesn't know my life, you know, my journey. And, uh, I see armed forces. And so I just parked and started going through the different offices to see which one I liked more and, uh, walked into the national guard and it resonated. Um, the recruiter at the time was uh, Jeremy Diamond, I remember. And uh, he. Uh, what resonated with me is the sense of community. And, and I love what you guys do with your podcast because it really is. I am Salt Lake, you know, and, and it's about this community that we have here. And that's what the National Guard was for me is let's get involved at a local level. I'm not big into federal government and I really, uh, not necessarily a Republican, but uh, really not. I really appreciate more of the local community efforts. I think that's where we can do the most influence. Uh, and that's where I feel I thrive most. And so national guard was just perfect. Um, uh, I don't want to be too long winded, but I'll, I'll jump into the national guard with you guys. Uh, Actually,
0: before yeah. we jump into that, I want to talk a little bit about this soccer, man, cause this is so interesting. I want to back yeah. up to the soccer part before you, before we get into too much here. I mean, A professional soccer player. Not every day that I get to talk to a professional soccer player here, man. I mean, you know, we got Real Salt Lake here in Salt Lake City, right? I mean, have you been to a Real game or no?
2: Oh, yeah. My brother is actually one of their – he's like their second – account. he's an accountant over all the Monarchs and a lot of the the stadium expenses and whatnot for Real Salt Lake. So, we get season tickets as brothers and uh, we try to make it our little thing. It's the team we got to support. You know, it's not the best (laughs) – it's not a Premier League team. It's not a Sao Paulo-Brazil team. But, uh, but they're here, yeah, right? I love it. They're here. I love them. Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I'm not a big sports guy here, Leo. So work with me a little bit. I mean, I did play soccer growing up, believe it or not. My mom always tried to get me to play soccer. I never, I, I struggled with it. I just didn't do that good.
1: I definitely played soccer, but I ended up sitting at the goalie post and picking dandelions.
2: Sounds like my old.
0: <laughs> you were 15 years old, a professional at 15?
2: Yeah, um, it was an interesting, uh, it was all, uh, if you believe in the laws of attraction, I mean, I was practicing this at the age of 12, man. Uh, I knew what I wanted. I had a very clear vision and I would just come across the right people. Wow. And uh, at the age of 15, uh, my dad and I sat across from a, a soccer agent in Mexico and he told us about the project he was sending me. And so I got to leave the house at the age of 15. I was living in a hotel about three hours away in a town called Puebla. And, uh, I got to have, uh, some very, uh, known coaches, uh, that were over that team, the president of the team, all these individuals were big names. And so it it was a big experience for a 15 year old, probably an environment that I wasn't ready for, you know, you're all of a sudden you're a 15 year old with a bunch of adults that have actual life (laughs) under their feet, you know? And, uh, so a lot of different challenges with adapting to those environments and, uh, but more importantly, uh, you know, the emotional side of being alone and being able to be disciplined to rest. And, you know, even though they fed us on a diet plan at the hotel, uh, still being able to eat the right things, stay away from chips and, and all that stuff. And so I was always a very disciplined, disciplined kid for a young, from a young age. And 15 years old, man, I was there, played with them for six months. And then I moved on to a, a team called Atlante. And uh, Atlante uh, has been a big team there, and uh, I played minor leagues. It was a second division minor league team, but I got to travel some of the best experiences ever. And uh, I have there were some tapes of me playing be- the pre digital area, but uh, it's all gone. <laughs> is it so, so-
0: soccer is kind of like football here, right? Like is amount of, amount of people over in like Brazil that watch so- uh, soccer, right? It's a pretty it's big big over there,
2: yeah. If you were to compare NFL to uh, the equivalent uh, for like Brazilian soccer uh, association, if you want to call it that. uh, Yes, it's very much huge. I think it's even bigger. So,
0: I mean, soccer could be a good full time job then if you're a professional soccer player.
2: Yes, very much so. If you have the right connections and you you make your right moves and a lot of it is connections. It's very corrupt. You know, a lot of uh, pay to play at high levels. Uh, It happens. But I think it's cleaned up a lot, and I think it's uh, it's improving. But yeah, soccer is to me the international language of uh, connecting. It's the only place you'll ever see Iraq play the US on a World Cup. It's the only place you'll see, uh, well, not the only place, but it's a big place where you'll see Muslim players playing with Christian players. You'll see Jewish players playing together. You know, it's just a beautiful. uh, It's
1: like all inclusive; no one's excluded.
2: Very much so. And you can play with a can. You can play with a a little paper ball. You know, there's there's a lot of ways to start a little soccer game.
0: Do you miss playing professional soccer?
2: I miss the I miss the routine of playing every day, you know, uh, practicing, being that athlete, having that camaraderie. uh, That sense of purpose was was phenomenal at a young age. I couldn't believe people got paid to do that.
0: Wow. That's cool though. Let's jump forward a little bit. National guard. So you joined the national guard then two years after you got married, right? Is that what you said? So two years. yeah. So where, if you don't mind me asking, where were you living at that time?
2: I was here in Salt Lake city as well. So I was, uh, I had just, uh, left, uh, BYU. I was doing some tryouts for a Real Salt Lake thing before they had their stadium and ended up breaking my ankle a month into my marriage. I broke my ankle. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then, uh, a year later I blew my ACL. So that was the end of my uh, soccer aspirations. And I, after that experience with the T-Mobile store, uh, you know, like I said, I I really had this strong sense of, I wanted to earn my citizenship. I didn't want to have someone say to me, go back to your country. And so I came home after talking to the recruiter and the recruiter and I set up some time for him to come to the house and explain what I just did with my wife, you know? And, and uh, so he comes over, we had an awesome conversation I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, we're joining in the middle of Iraq and Afghanistan. It's not like we were joining during peacetime. And when you don't know much about guns, I had never even seen a gun at the time. I was very much uh, scared of uh, joining. And my experience was that as we gained the training, as they built us into soldiers, that fear goes away. You know, uh, you'll fight like you train. And a lot of it is always muscle memory. And so I... I was given three options because I wasn't a citizen at the time. I was just a green card holder through my marriage. Uh, I, w- I could be a, a laundry specialist. I could have been a field artillery guy or a power generator mechanic. And I chose the the technical route. I, I'm a non-technical person, and I thought it would be smart to learn some skills there and get paid for it. And uh, so that's what I did, power generator mechanic.
0: What does that do? What does a power generator mechanic do?
2: That's a good question. <laughs> Uh, the point of the power generator mechanic is to really mostly do maintenance on the generators when you're in the field. Mm-hmm. So when you're, if you have a group in the field, uh, you want to be able to power the different, uh, you know, for communication reasons, you want to power the huts. Soldiers will usually want to have access to the, uh, internet or, you know, a television or a microwave. So it's a cool job to have because everyone wants to be your friend. They all want electricity.
1: <laughs> they all want you to fix it for them.
2: Exactly. it. And when I came back from training, though, I went, I got attached to a field artillery unit and, uh, they didn't have any power generators. So <laughs> I joined the army <laughs> and, uh, I had, but this was a great opportunity for me. Uh, at a, I started networking. This is something I learned at a young age from soccer to network. And I, that opened so many doors for me. And so I started networking with uh, high ranking people. I wasn't scared of asking questions, asking for a quick interview, uh, you know, just uh, some pointers so I can, you know, you brown nose them a little bit and you, you get some information that you need. And ultimately that led to the opportunity to join the military intelligence brigade. Okay. I got trained uh, a year after coming back as an interrogator and a human intelligence collector.
0: Interrogator. Oh, wow. That's That sounds pretty, like, like, what would you do? Like, give me an example, even if you make it up, I don't know.
2: It sounds beautiful, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> it sounds sneaky. Yeah. My wife can't throw surprise parties here at the house and the kids really can't lie about their homeschooling homework anymore. So, (laughs) but uh, the problem with uh, being a 35 mic or it's a really cool job. You learn a lot of cool skills. You know, you know how to ask good questions. Uh, You can get people to get you information without you even asking them because you just predispose their minds for information. But we're not allowed to really ask questions to a U.S. citizen. So as long as you're in the U.S., you're just in a training environment at all times. When you're deployed, it's an exciting experience. You get to run uh, source operations out in the field. You get to talk to informants, develop those relationships. Uh, hopefully, you get to a point where you can recruit these sources and put them on payroll. You know, Or, or you're in a holding facility and you're interrogating detainees for information. On, you can do field interrogations where you just, uh, you know, did a bunch of uh, you court in an area and arrested people. And now you got asked ask questions about something that just happened. Uh, but I never really had a chance to really use that skill because I was fluent in three languages. I got attached to uh, an organization, uh, part of the National Guard here that does support for the for a few of the federal agencies out there. So they do a lot of counter drug operations, surveillance operations. And so I basically spent four years doing that, uh, which was more of a signals intelligence type job. Needs of the army changed and we didn't need uh, people that could speak to goats and interrogate. So we, uh, <laughs> that's what it felt like, especially with the unit I was going to that was by BYU. But uh, eventually uh, I ended up transitioning into signals intelligence. And more of that was uh, eavesdropping on enemy conversation, uh, satellite a lot of uh, low level voice intercept where you're listening to radio communication. And uh, that to me was fun. You know, a lot of uh, you can either be in this office scenario or you can be out in this field uh, with a small man team trying to eavesdrop. And uh, that's what I liked more is just being out and about.
0: This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Momentum Electric which you can find online at MomentumElectricSLC.com. Momentum Electric is your local Salt Lake City electrical company with over 10 years of experience from Kevin and his team. At Momentum, you can always trust their employees in the work that they do for you. Hey, I know it's springtime. I know you have projects going on around the house. Momentum Electric can help you out with those projects. Some of the services that they offer. Let's talk about these. Maybe you want to add some wall outlets. Well, they can help you out with that. Maybe you want to change out or add some can lighting. They can do that. Maybe you want to change out devices. They can do that. Maybe you want to change out your electrical panel and service equipment at your house. Momentum Electric can help you with that. Hey, did you get yourself one of those nice Teslas, one of those new electric vehicles, and now you need to install an EV charger and you don't know what to do? They can help you with that. If it has to do with electrical, chances are Momentum Electric can help you out. Momentum believes in following the National Electric Code and doing the finest work to make your home more beautiful and more efficient. Momentum Electric has fair pricing and they'll never try and sell you on something that you don't need or doesn't work for your situation. They'll always listen to your needs and help you solve your issues in the best way possible. Momentum will always treat you with the utmost respect because they want to create a lifelong relationship with you. Their website, MomentumElectricSLC.com. Go check it out, but better yet, just give Kevin a call. His phone number, 801-580-2430. That way he can give you an estimate for your job. Again, the website, MomentumElectricSLC.com, or just better yet, give Kevin a call. 801-580-2430. 801-580-2430 and many thanks to Momentum Electric for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Let's fast forward a little bit to Vet Cave cuz that's I'm really interested to learn about this, man. I'm sure there's a ton we could talk about with this Vet Cave cuz where where do you start with this, man? What what is it? How did it start? Let's talk.
2: <laughs> yeah, the Vet Cave is interesting. It's the manifestation of uh Of a lot of things, but more importantly, it's a story about healing. And when you think of vet cave, think of man cave or think of bat cave, but this is a veteran cave, right? So I'm actually talking to you from my vet cave. And uh, my vet cave is a 10 by 12 space. Think of a tough shed type thing, and we just pimped it out. It serves to me as a creative space and it serves to me as a place to come when I have triggers or PTSD episodes. And it creates a buffer for me between my emotions and where I'm at in the moment with my family and what they are up to inside the house. So rather than me being that angry dad that starts picking on things and spoils, uh, the harmony of the home, I get to come in here, chill out, figure things out for a minute, and then I can integrate and uh, go back into the home. So that's kind of how this started. Uh, I, um, uh, and I'll t- I'll share a little bit with you guys about this, uh, when I joined the army I really wanted to earn my citizenship and uh what I experienced in boot camp was nothing I really expected from um when I first went in when you go into boot camp what you're seeing there is basically people from all walks of life people that have been in uh terrible broken homes gangs uh to people that come from wealthy homes uh religious homes you know all walks of life and I saw a lot of uh bullying there I saw I saw a lot of uh those types of, uh, behaviors. Uh, what really was sad is that there was a lot of segregation based on race, right. And color. And, uh, that to me was an eye opener because we all wore the same flag on the right shoulder. And, uh, anyway, in an attempt to, uh, stand up for a battle buddy, uh, I ended up uh, being threatened and eventually I was, I experienced uh, what we call a military sexual assault, right. Or military sexual trauma, which, uh, unfortunately is very common among troops. Uh, Very common among uh, male troops, uh, both here in the U.S. and also deployed, and uh, that's why we have the term uh, "battle buddy," where you should always be with your battle buddy, right? Someone else there. But in this situation, I ended up experiencing that, and I, I struggled to sleep. Uh, You know, we slept in bays that didn't have doors, so I was always scared that someone would grab me in my sleep or something, and so I always struggled sleeping throughout my military career. I had anger issues at a very early stage. Uh, and I was completely unaware of these issues. Uh, you know, to me, I was uh, dealing with some a uh, neck injury and headaches, and that that's what it was. So, ten years into this, this is three years ago. Uh, so, 2017, I, it came to a point where uh, I was being medically uh, discharged from the army due to a neck injury. I was working about fifty, sixty hours a week in corporate America. I worked for uh, tech companies before. Uh, I worked for Dell EMC. Pure Storage and uh, another SaaS company called Solution Reach. But I was burying myself in work and that was my way of coping with PTSD that I was unaware of. I started a master's degree at Westminster College as well. And so now I'm just overloaded on on time. And my kids were scared of me. They would hide. Uh, my wife and I had no connection. Um, everything was a to-do list and uh, just go, go, go. Came to a point where... Uh, just like a lot of veterans and uh, even service members in the in the service currently my wife was ready to leave me right no one wants to be with a a monster inside the home and and when you see your kids feeling unsafe then i think moms are have all the right to react and so that was a big eye opener we set some goals we uh did a few things that really uh started going through therapy i started seeing the va and uh, the vet cave became a it was just a shed at the time we had grass clippings in here, gasoline smells, you know, and all the tools. And I, I was watching premier league soccer for like all weekend long, just isolating in there. And so then came the NBA capstone. And that's when, uh, I was in here with a friend of mine and he told, he passed away last November, actually, uh, Ariel Torres. And, uh, He looked up here and said, we should pimp this out for you so that it's comfortable. And so that's where the vision started. And it became a a master's degree final capstone. While I was in here, I was talking to a friend of mine, Matt Bernal. We've we've been battle buddies in the Army, same unit and everything for most of our career. And uh, he was struggling with PTSD and was building a shed on the side of his house. So we started talking about me pimping my shed, he's pimping his, and this communication went back and forth. And one day I had this epiphany and I told them, uh, hey, what if we did like a uh, self-sustaining, self-sufficient nonprofit, like some sort of like reality TV show or film series documentary that built uh, these mini retreats for veterans in their backyards and uh, for the purpose of creating that buffer with the family. But we then work with them on their passion and we help them build their business that they can operate out of the vet cave. You know, and so we, I started working on the business plan and, and we came up with this, uh, idea of creating some level of, uh, uh, nonprofit, uh, incubator for these veterans where they could, we could create a network of, uh, vet cave, uh, small business owners that are supporting each other. And when there's PTSD episodes, they can FaceTime each other from their caves or talk about business challenges, you know, and the vision is to surround this little utopia of a network by community sponsors. So today we have a uh, Sling TV. We have uh, a few other companies like Enfield. Uh, Real Estate is uh, helping us as well. And these companies, what they're partnering with us on is a very unique charitable experience for their employees. Basically, uh, we wanna use their employees' talents to help the, a specific, specific veteran in their community to start their business, build a website, And and even further than that, come on site. Let's swing a hammer. Let's paint some walls. Let's talk about PTSD. Let's get to know your neighbor, this veteran here, and show him the support for the business that he's about to build. And so we make it a community effort. Uh, The corporation uh, basically becomes a sponsor for the veteran's success. And uh, we have a lot of cool people on our board that are there as well to consult and and aid the veteran.
1: This episode of the podcast is brought to you by the Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. The Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop's mission is to make Utah cool one dreadlock at a time while offering a clean, affordable, and professional experience filled with love and understanding. And I would beg to say that their real mission is making Utah cool one person at a time by spending time with them getting your dreads done. These guys are amazing. I just went, I finally got back in after, you know, the, the lockdown where we couldn't go get our hair maintained and, you know, the, the little things that we take for granted every day. And I finally got back in and I had so much fun seeing them. They did a fabulous job fixing my hair because I have to be honest, during quarantine, I tried to tie the roots myself and I, I messed them up. I, I messed them up and they were so kind about it. Helpful. Nobody got mad at me. <laughs> and I just really enjoyed being there with them and I look great. And if you've always wanted dreadlocks, you absolutely have to contact them. They offer a cre- clean dreadlock knotting service. So there's no gross wax or internet neglect methods. And if you want to reach out to them and have any questions, you can always text them at 801-824-8298. Include what you're looking for, what you're thinking of doing and your name and then and send a picture. And wait for a response. They will text you back as soon as possible. And they're always there and super responsive for any questions that you might have. So again, text them at 801-824-8298. Visit their website, slcdreads.com or follow them on social media, Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop. And thank you, Salt Lake City Dreadlock Shop, for sponsoring this episode of the podcast.
2: Uh, we've partnered with a few other nonprofits as well. Canine for Veterans uh, is an organization that recently actually gave uh, I was gifted a a service dog from them uh, his name's Tank super excited he's not here right now he's in he's he went back for a little training polish but uh amazing organization uh also uh, Heroes Haven is another great organization led by uh Paul Diamond and uh Frank DeVito, two amazing uh army veterans as well and uh they run a one week long retreat for veterans to learn how to cope with PTSD trauma and uh Um, they learn some different uh, therapy skills, they get exposed to equine therapy. And so our excitement is to send our veteran to that one week long uh, training. And then we're back here, you know, just hauling ass building their cave and getting everyone organized so that when they come, we can cut a ribbon with them and, uh, you know, introduce them to their cave that will suit the needs of their business and their disabilities.
0: Have you had many opportunities to make these vet caves? I mean, have you been putting many of these together
2: so so far we have uh, the vet cave that I'm in right now and we have another vet cave built in Heber uh, Matt Bernal and uh, he runs a little jewelry shop out of his uh, vet cave right now and they sell in local boutique shops in Park City our first project is project bird he is a specialist out of an aviation unit came back from Iraq with uh, some symptoms of PTSD we helped them get to the VA and He's taken care of uh, from a mental health perspective. Uh, Sling TV is uh, the corporate sponsor that will be helping us build that shed. So super excited. It will be our very first project, actually. And uh, it was supposed to happen May 15th. But, uh, you know, COVID kind of threw a wrench on uh, the build. And it's given us opportunities to do a whole lot of uh, other expansions uh, that we can do remotely. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're getting there. We'll build our first one. You were mentioning
0: reality TV show right is that so you're not doing a reality tv show yet you're looking to do one
2: so the way we uh our our strategy right now is we want to build anywhere from six to 12 vet caves and and start building that little community of business owners and as we are building the community we want to uh document the progress of these veterans interview their families you know show how they're doing with the program and uh and in a way create a tell the story of each of these veterans in a, Reality TV, I don't necessarily like the word reality TV show because I think this is a lot more real than most reality. More documentary. More documentary-like, but really try to highlight that utopia. You know, I think sky's the limit. Uh, An opportunity like this, if it got picked up, we could do a season two where we're tackling homeless issues and we can build mobile vet caves. Or uh, season three could be a vet cave uh, mini-home community where veterans can reintegrate to society after being in prison for a while, you know, and learn some trade skills and and regroup. Uh, but big picture thinking from Leo, and uh, I love my board because they kind of keep me on the ground and say, Leo, let's focus on Sling TV. Let's get our process down and uh, and continue building these.
1: How do you reach out to vets or how do vets find you?
2: So uh, right now we, uh, we have selected a few different veterans that we've identified just from within the, I mean, it, it's an extension of the circle that we are in. Right. Ideally, we like to find corporations that want to nominate a veteran so that it becomes more meaningful to the organization. But uh, we have identified some, such as uh, a really uh, amazing veteran. Uh, she owns a barber shop called uh, the Bernie and Brothers. I just I, I love uh, what she does there, and I'd love to build a vet cave for her in her backyard, where she can operate her barber shop out of there, and you know, mitigate some of those, uh, PTSD issues that she has.
0: Th- those would be perfect for a barbershop.
2: Exactly. I actually, at one point thought of doing a barbershop myself, but, uh, I thought it would be cool just to hang out with people. And you know, I got a Traeger outside and, uh, make some delicious brisket and hang out, you know, cut your hair and hang out with Leo. So <laughs> you'd,
1: you'd never get rid of anybody. Do you cut
2: hair, Leo? I used to cut it in the barracks for drinking money, but uh, that's about it. (laughs) I was going to say
0: right now, well, I think the barbershops are opening up. I was going to say, man, there was a few weeks, a couple weeks ago there, people would have been paying you top dollar to get their haircut from you, man.
2: Hey, Bernie and Brothers, top notch place right there in Midville. Midville. Uh, Midville. Now,
0: I know what I was going to ask you, Leo, is like, say somebody like myself, right? Like I'm not a vet. I didn't serve any time in the military, but I'd like to get involved with what you have going on maybe, right? Like, how can a listener, somebody like myself, how can we get involved? Is that possible maybe not it's not even possible.
2: The vet cave is more than than just building a a structure okay right the vet cave's become a tribe it's become a this experience where authentic people have been attracted we've attracted each other and we're all working with the same purpose and what I find that what we have in common is this sense of love and service, okay, right. And so for those that uh, are listening, those that would like to get involved, I would probably start out with uh, finding us on Facebook at Vet Cave Inc is, uh, I think, the best way to search us there. Right now, we're actually running an awesome uh, fundraiser. It's called the Forty Twenty Shift. And uh, there's a little slogan there that says, uh, breathe, shift, go. Right now with coronavirus, you know, we're all trying to pivot or shift into ways of doing business or ways to... Going about our day with kids being homeschooled, and, and how we're uh, you know delegating duties with spouses, and some of the single parents, you know, the struggles that they're going through. So, Jen Mason, an amazing friend of ours and uh, another volunteer of the Vet Cave, she offered her, her talents. She's not a veteran, but she's an amazing yoga and meditation instructor. And so, every day at six AM for the next forty days, uh, we're doing a twenty-minute mindful meditation that is focused on depression, anxiety stress, and PTSD. So that would be a great place to start getting familiar with the tribe that we are building here. The vet cave is more of a culture of love and service. And so opportunities keep coming up to get involved, but we really want to start by developing that culture that I don't want to say following that, that just that tribe that is there to raise each other. Um, you know, we like to do hikes as a group. We like to stay busy and talk about our problems, stay present with each other. And, uh, And so that's really where it's at. Uh, The moments that we have where we get to build sheds, then by all means, let's get all our volunteers, all our followers out there. Let's swing a hammer. Let's greet the veteran, you know. So those are a few in between because we plan out these these builds, but the activities don't stop. And I think that's uh, what we want to keep going is that sense of tribe. And so if you're looking for authentic people and you uh, find yourself to be one of those that uh, is somehow awakening to a a better sense of mindfulness and being present and wanting to find a different way of living a fulfilling life, then I think you found your crowd here and bring your talents. We need them.
0: Everybody's got talents. That's the thing, man. A lot of people don't even realize what their talents are, right? Until they find a cool group like vet cave, I guess. How many people, I mean, it looks like I'm I'm looking here on your website. You got, you got quite a few people. It looks like involved with you guys.
2: Yeah. um, So as far as like direct volunteers Mm -hmm. and uh, board members, board advisors, We're sitting at about 30 people right now. These are the direct individuals that are working with us on social media initiatives, uh, you know, different fundraising initiatives, uh, operations. It was amazing. Like I did this, uh, I don't know if you, uh, heard about this, but I, I didn't eat for 22 days.
0: You know, I was going to ask you, I was going to actually ask you about this water fast because I'm very interested in it myself.
2: So I went, uh, so we did a little, uh, raise awareness on PTSD and, uh, event, um, for 22 days, I did a water only fast. I was coached by uh, one of our board members, Dave Kent, who does this a lot. He's the good looking guy in our pictures. If you, uh, if you guys uh, look at our website, but uh, Dave does this all the time. And I used to give him a hard time that he was just doing it to look good at his cruise vacations, you know? And so I never really took it serious. And then uh, I think it was like March 10th or something. And so the week before I told Dave, like, Dave, what if I like I know you do this fasting stuff a lot, but like I want to raise awareness on PTSD and suicide prevention, like 22 veterans commit suicide on average per day here in the United States. Right. And so that's a big deal. Um, I keep telling people we're losing the war at home. We've lost plenty of people in Iraq and Afghanistan, but now the the numbers are increasingly huge are, are just uh, multiplying right with 22. And so I told them like, what if I, did a 22 day water only fast and he's only done i think up to 10 or 11 days and i've never fasted man <laughs> like,
0: were you ever into intermittent fasting or anything
2: I, I don't i hate diets i don't believe in them I, I i just uh i don't know i was just going with it you know and uh dave's like are you sure you want to do this <laughs> 22 days man like gandhi did 20 you know <laughs> and uh i was like 22 days 22 veterans i looked at him was like dave Fuck it, man. <laughs> we'll just do it, you know. And uh, he's like, "Look, if you do this, I'll do all the production. We'll we'll get some. Uh, we'll raise some awareness on this." And I thought we did a good job for the little knowledge we had on how to do a uh, some type of Facebook Live type experience. And I ended up losing thirty five pounds through the process. Wow! But it wasn't ever about losing weight. I didn't. That's the funny thing. I didn't even think about Le- Leo. You're gonna lose a lot of weight, man. I just. Uh, It was such a humbling experience. Like every time I felt hungry, I would repeat to myself the warrior ethos that we are indoctrinated in when we join the army. And it says, I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. So when I would get hungry, I would repeat that to myself. And I would think about these 22 veterans and I would think about the people that were behind this with me. And there was just no way to fail, man. My wife said, Well, if a doctor says, you got to eat, then you got to eat. And I was like, sure, honey. (laughs) There was just no way I was going to eat. And uh, it was amazing. It was the most transcending mental and spiritual experience I had. And after 22 days, it's like I woke up in a new body, a new mind, a new perspective, at least a a shifted perspective and uh, a full spirit. It It was nirvana from like day eight to day 14.
0: Was it hard for you to be around food?
2: I cooked for my kids every day. What? I uh, on day 8, I helped my uncle move and I get there and he was counting on me and my truck only to help him move out of his apartment. Oh wow. And uh I ended up uh, calling my cousins, my cousin and my brother to come help. Uh at the end they gave a, my mom, my uh aunt works at a Brazilian restaurant and so she made us like these delicious dishes with desserts and I brought that home and a friend of mine Jeff Crane ate it all in front of me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wow!
2: You're like thanks that... a lot, jerk. Oh, I, that's exactly what I kept saying. <laughs> <laughs>
0: would you would you do it again? Would you fast for 22 days again?
1: That's a
2: long time. I, you know, I'll tell you this: uh the best experience I had was from day seven to day 14.
0: Okay, why is that?
2: It's because you hit this sense of enlightenment where you're not hungry anymore. You lose your sex drive. You lose your uh, desire to buy things and really the only thing that feeds you in that moment is human connection and introspection. And so it was a man in the mirror type week uh, for me uh, a lot of growth, a lot of forgiveness and self-compassion. I almost felt like uh, some level of higher self took me through all my traumas and made me view them objectively and uh and just find love through the situation and find forgiveness. So It was a very healing experience for me, and uh, I did not go in expecting that. I didn't even read about that. It just happened. Uh, Day 14 to day 21 or day 22 was that last week where it was all up here. It was all mental at that point. I knew that I just needed to go through the motions of each day, stay busy, and it finished. Hardest days, day 23, 24, and 25, because now I know I can eat, but it fucking hurts. (laughs) did it that, that that was curious about that too so like what did you eat to break your fast i started out with bone broth uh and then i did some vegetable blended soup and then i switched over to like a smoothies for 3 days i got a little over ambitious there on the uh crackers and uh my son was eating crackers cream cheese and this jam that we had here and it looked so good man and i went and had 3 crackers with cream cheese I'm telling you, Philadelphia is killing people out there. But like my my st- <laughs> <Your> <laughs> stomach wow. just it was, didn't like just you. Just huh?
1: couldn't handle it, huh?
2: Yeah, it was, a, it was an all-nighter for sure. <laughs> oh, it was man. Bad. Going back to eating was hard. Uh, but the experience was beautiful. And, and people started towards my last week. I think we counted a good 35 to 45 individuals fasting with me. My parents fasted with me. Other veterans across the country fasted we even had a an amazing uh Paul Diamond actually a, an army vet that is deployed right now to uh as a civilian to Afghanistan and he fasted with me as well so there was so much energy behind this movement and and uh everyone grew somehow and and that's what i i'm saying about the vet cave is that it's so much more than just that structure it, it's really it's a tribe of support it's a tribe of love and uh it's a uh, all inclusive, you know, we don't exclude anyone um, and veterans are not, it's just a place of love and service. Do you see this vet
0: cave thing like maybe taken off like worldwide even, or maybe, I guess maybe just US wide with US vets, I guess.
2: It'd be awesome to be able to establish different uh, chapters maybe yeah. in each, uh, in
0: a d- different cities
2: in each state where we are more, we're more established as this, uh, we're helping veterans build their businesses and, and, and that way the reality is, is our mission is to help these veterans identify a sense of purpose, right? Mission, a sense of identity for them and uh, a sense of community. And, uh, so if we can build the, these types of chapters in other States where we're really focusing on that, then I think it would be wonderful, but we got to prove the concept here first. And Sling TVs are, our our, uh, our aim right now with project bird and, you know, that working, uh, project, uh, Specialist Bird or or Colton, he wants to become a, a service dog trainer and he wants to start uh, training dogs for the Sheriff's County Department and also uh, for veterans as well. It, it's cool, man. And, and they, you know, if all the, this network can give back to the to the to the each other or to other veterans or to vet cave, I don't care where it goes, but let's give back, you know. So I do think it's very sustainable in other states. We just have to develop that business model so it's replicable.
1: And that's such a great, like, it's such a cool idea, especially for PTSD that you're creating like a place for support. You're building a support system for these guys. That's and giving them something to do. Those are like super helpful.
2: You know, I I woke up. uh, I mean, I look happy right now. Right. But uh, you never know. I woke up today and uh, I thought to myself, I didn't want, I looked, (laughs) I looked at my schedule today and I was like, man, boom, 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 meeting, meeting, meetings. And I thought, I don't want to go through today. I didn't want to get out of bed. I, it was a very uh, difficult moment. I experienced a lot of uh, old stories and um, through emotions and uh, it was very real. I didn't say a word to my family until 10 30 AM. I didn't speak a word. I just was completely isolated. And so what did I do? Uh, I didn't want to talk to my family. I called my battle buddies. I called my vet K family and, uh, I got to talk to uh, Dave for a little bit. I got to talk to Scott and and that's the support, you know, because then I was able to carry on my business. And so th- that's the difficult part of a veteran with PTSD in corporate America. And I think we're so misunderstood. I kept trying to tell HR at a, at a company, uh, hey, those uh, whistle rounds that you're giving your employees to shoot uh, Nerf round guns with, you know, every time that round whistles, it puts hair behind my back, you know, it raises the hair on my neck and can we do something about it? And nothing was done. You know, there are very different little elements of corporate that really add stress to the veterans. And so that's a big thing for me is to be able to lobby for that, create different uh, programs that can educate corporations on how to handle these individuals and make it a safe place. Entrepreneurship is a safe place because you create your own culture, you create your own schedule, you know, and if you have the right support, I think you have the courage to make something happen for yourself.
0: We have a, a few Salt Lake city related questions, Leo, that we ask everybody that comes through the show. Um, so of course we got to ask you if someone was visiting Salt Lake city, let's say a friend, even from, from, uh, Brazil even, or from some other country, uh, if they were visiting you for a weekend, what would you tell them to do or check out? What's the, what's the Leo tour?
2: Well, guys, let's, let's, uh, if someone's coming from Sao Paulo, uh, Mexico City to visit, this town is not a big Mexico City or a big New York City or an L.A. It, you or a know, big uh,
1: anything, really. <laughs> exactly. It's the biggest when little came, town.
2: When I came here, it was really hard to adapt. And I think a lot of people that come from the outside that aren't used to the outdoors experience, like our, us city boys, we struggle, you know. But uh, I would say this, give the outdoors a chance because it's not common for people in the city to want to experience that. I would definitely go check out Tempanogas Caves. I would go up American Fort Canyon. I would go for uh, you know that Alp- Alpine Loop, or go check out Snowbird. Uh, experience the outdoors, you know. And and honestly, uh, the Latter Day Saint—that's a big part of the the history of this state. So from that perspective, I would say go check out some of those sites. You got to check out our High West, you know, if you're gonna have a drink. Park, yeah, have a drink. Uh, I love Wasatch Brewery as well. Love that place. I love the outdoors, man. I came here not liking it. And now i that's all I wear. You know, it's just... Uh, what do you think helped
0: you love the outdoors? I want to learn to love the outdoors more. I don't think I've given the outdoors enough of a chance. What can I do?
2: I hated being in church. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I think uh, after I joined the Army and uh, they taught me certain skills that I didn't know about the outdoors. Right. And one of the things I learned is that if you're properly equipped, you're not going to suck. Okay. So don't, don't wear your toms to go hiking or, or don't go on flip flops, you know, invest on a, a pair of shoes and break them in before you decide to do lone peak or something like I did with a pair of running shoes I hadn't broken in. And so, <laughs> you know, find the right gear. That's, that's the big thing. And then pick some easy hikes that are going to have destination. Uh, you know, the destination type hikes, a waterfall or a beautiful view or or something unique on the hike that is going to make you appreciate it. And when you get there, pack some nice snacks. Don't suck. You know, don't <laughs> just,
0: take some wine.
2: Like, yeah, exactly. Something I like to do is uh, I have, uh, I was asking for authentic friends and I got a bunch of most of the most amazing people that live here. They're from Egypt and a lot of them are Muslim, which was a beautiful, uh, healing experience for me coming from. The culture of military, right? And to be able to find space and love and and understanding of a different culture. And they're the most enlightened people I've met. And they taught me about the delicious Egyptian tea. And so I always pack in my backpack a little canister that I can heat up my water. And I love just getting to my destination, make my own tea, and uh, I make something of it, you know? So it's a recharge. Don't make it about getting to the destination, make it about the journey and try to introspect.
0: What about one or two favorite local eating spots? I know you mentioned uh, High West and Wasatch Brewery, you know, for drinks. What about what about some eating?
2: Okay, well, Leo has this spot that he's been going to since 2000 and I think 2006. Okay. I've been a faithful Michigan hash order there. Uh, I, I think they should change the name of the Michigan hash to the Leo hash, but whatever. Uh, Park Cafe. I don't know if you've been there before. I've been there. Yeah, I love Sean. I Sito, uh, all the guys there, the gals. Like I've been going there for so long. It's been the place I go for my birthday. Uh, so I highly recommend uh, you checking out that breakfast spot. You will not regret the Michigan hash. You want to get a little special? Get rid of the sausage and ask for chop steak or their pork chops. Delicious.
0: Okay, Mm-mm-mm. I'll have to give it's that a try. Good. And it's usually a little bit of a line, but it's worth it, man. Just sip, go there and sip some coffee, right, and, and enjoy the morning. And
1: it's like fun waiting there. It's yeah. fun to wait for your table,
2: exactly. And they have the coffee there ready for you. The beautiful trees from Liberty Park across the street. You know, uh, I tell my boys, "Hey, when I die, you bring my ashes here. You get your Michigan hash, and then you go dump me in the pond right there at Liberty Park." You know. <laughs> Uh, second place I would say real quick is uh, Ruth's Diner up at, uh, what's that canyon up there? Immigration, uh, Immigration Canyon? Yeah. Love Ruth's Diner, yeah.
0: Beautiful, beautiful drive up that way too. Very cool. Very yes, cool.
2: Sir? Would you change anything about Salt
0: Lake City or is that kind of a tough question?
2: I love Salt Lake City. I mean, we can't change the weather, right? We we, we can't play God like that. But <laughs> I'm not a fan of snow, but what would I change of Salt Lake City? You know what? Can we just pass the what was it uh that one cannabis laws that we were trying to pass yeah. here
0: prop two prop two yeah. yeah
2: let's pass prop two and just get that done with uh, try to be a little more uh think outside the box and a little more uh what do you call that uh open-minded perhaps you know because there's so many benefits especially for veterans that are trying to treat themselves so you know uh they want don't want to be on va pills and they want alternatives and like even CBD, you know, but I think there's a lot more opportunities there to treat these things if we could just research more the benefits of cannabis. And so I would probably say that mm-hmm.
0: PTSD is actually a qualifying condition to get a medical card here in Utah. You probably already knew that, though, right?
2: I, I do. Yeah. yeah but yeah, there, yeah. there are other situations or, or that people could. People who from it. may not be yeah. diagnosed
0: officially. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I get it. I just didn't know if it's, it. it's interesting to me how many people uh, I do a cannabis podcast. I don't know if you've listened to that one yet, uh, Leo.
2: I haven't uh,
0: we just started it and it's interesting how many people don't know all the qualifying conditions to get their medical card here in Utah. So I just wanted to make sure you knew.
2: I would love for you to maybe uh, post something about that, or if yeah. you have something you'd like to share with the vet cave, I think that's valuable information for veterans to learn about and, at least how to get it again. The Vet Cave isn't necessarily promoting yeah. cannabis uh, among veterans, or uh, but uh, it's kind of a fine line. But I do think it's a an, an option that is helping a lot of veterans in states where it's legal. Yeah, and not legal. Hey, before we
0: completely wrap this up, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for coming and doing the podcast. There's so much we could talk about. I realize that it's hard to get at everything. I like to open it up. I mean, is there anything you were hoping we would talk about, or do you want to talk more about anything? I mean, I know we just kind of skimmed the surface with so much. I don't know if there's more you want to even talk about with the vet cave or uh, PTSD or anything like that.
2: I I think I'd I'd just like to share a little message uh, to those that are struggling, the ones that uh, are in their homes and they catch themselves, uh, you know, there's levels of management of what's going on in here. And sometimes a kid frustrates you and you go from here to here, and then it ends up uh, traumatizing people in the home. And for me, I wasn't conscious of those things. I didn't realize how impactful it was. I It was always me pointing the finger to others, right? Like they are wrong. But uh, I'd like to invite individuals out there that are struggling with anger, that are struggling with, uh, that possibly have PTSD, but they don't know to really Take a look at what PTSD is, read up on it. Uh, you know, try to get informed because this could be impacting your life without you knowing. Great ways to mitigate this is to learn good breathing exercises, you know and uh, uh, meditation, mindfulness. There are so many beautiful ways that you can bring yourself to a grounding point without having to explode. But the reality is that we all go through hard things. Most of us probably have some level of PTSD, be it from childhood, relationships, uh, crimes, uh, violence, you know, combat. And it's a very normal thing in our society. So it's okay to have a mental illness. We're all crazy here. This isn't a competition, (laughs) but it is important that you seek help so that others uh, don't get hurt. Uh, In my worst times when I've hit bottom, and it's been a few, was suicide in my mind? Yeah, suicide comes across the mind of people that have mental health issues. But the excitement that I had to know the type of person I was going to become, if I could just... Hold on to it just for a little bit longer. I knew that just around the corner, something positive would come. And if it wasn't positive, it would just at least be positive in the sense that I grew from the experience. So if you're going through something hard, get excited, man, because there's some good growth that comes from it. I know life is hard, man, but hang in there. You know, there's suicide is basically a permanent solution to a very temporary issue. And so hang in there. I know that good things are just around the corner. And uh, I always uh, share this with people. Uh, Life for me has been a lot like ruck marching. Ruck march is where you go for 12 to 20 miles with 60 to 90 pounds on your back. And you're going to go go the distance as a soldier, right? And you don't walk, you march or you run for time. And there's two things that I always focused on there besides staying hydrated. And it was doing a really good next step because you don't want to roll your ankle with all that weight. You can focus on that next step. And the next thing I focused on was my why. I focused on my wife. And at the time, I would always en- envision my two-year-old, my oldest, as a two-year-old, holding her hand, me coming to the finish line, and my son getting so excited that he would run towards me. I would envision this in my mind again and again, and it would propel my steps as if I could feel my son coming. And I think that's a lot of what we're going through. The da- It's daunting. Life is daunting sometimes, right? But if we can just focus on a really good next step. That might mean be present, be mm-hmm. in the moment. You can't control tomorrow, right? And and then focus on your why. Just hang in there. Yeah. Let your why get you out of bed. I love it.
1: Yeah, that's so good. Well, how can like uh, if a vet wants to reach out and become part of your community? How can people find you?
2: So we can be found on Facebook uh, at uh, Vet Cave Inc. Uh, you can find us on www.vetvetcave.org. And uh, you can also email me personally at leonardo at vetcave.org. Uh, you can also email us at info at vetcave.org. Two different options. But uh, I'd be happy to uh, answer any questions. And uh, if anyone needs to talk, man, feel free to reach out. We'll usually try to address you to the professionals, right? The 1-800 lines that uh, are available to us, the VA and whatnot. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm here.
0: And I'll put those I'll put those links at Iamsaltlake.com with this episode as well. So if people are driving or if they forget, just go find this episode and Perfect. they'll be be right there to connect with Leo and, and, and all of the vet cave and all of that. So and Chrissy has a final question that she asks everybody that comes through here. I'm gonna let her ask you, Leo. It's been a pleasure talking with you, buddy.
2: It's an honor. Thank you very much for having me.
1: And I feel like you kind of answered this before, but I'm going to ask anyway. Can you leave our listeners with a motto or a piece of life advice that you live by?
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. I have tattooed on my back uh, a quote, and uh, they've credited to Albert Einstein, but I'm I'm not quite sure 100%, but it says, the only life worth living is a life lived for others. Living for others means living for yourself too. Uh, I would like to invite you to really uh, look to find self-love and self-compassion start inside because i think that's where, where you'll find that universe that you're looking for it's all inside it's not changing the outside and once you find that self you served yourself well then go and live a life live for others now, there's nothing more gratifying and uh, more inspiring you know money doesn't give you the gratification that these experiences of sharing uh, lifting another brings you know
1: Thanks again to Leo Oliveira for joining us on this episode. All the links that we mentioned in this conversation can be found with this episode show notes on our podcast website, which can be found at IamSaltLake.com slash 432.
0: It is time for weekly recommendations. We didn't do one last week because last week we gave thanks to our Patreon supporters. So I apologize. We didn't have a really cool quarantine edition because we have recommendations,
1: right? You, you People are depending. You need stuff to do while you're stuck at home, right? On our recommendations. And we're all finding stuff to do, like Netflix. (laughs) Hey, I'm not stuck at home. I choose to be home, okay? There you go. No, but you
0: you go first for your recommendation, Chrissy.
1: All right. Well, mine is going to be an obvious one. We're all at home, and especially those who have little kids, we're discovering a lot of new things, right? We subscribed to Disney+, and Lucy found this amazing little shorts cartoon, Mickey Mouse shorts. They're like a modern... Mickey Mouse cartoon, almost Ren and Stimpy style. Well, they look kind of vintage, though. But they look vintage. They're so weird. They're like the weirdest show, but they're also the most amazing thing. And it's actually kind of been fun. We found something that you and I actually enjoy watching with Lucy. Hey,
0: it's better than... Uh, better than Daniel Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. Oh, Daniel <laughs> the Tiger.
1: Daniel the Tiger is, is better than Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. And this one's better than Daniel the Tiger. So,
0: hey, I'll take it. <laughs> and speaking of watching stuff on TV or Netflix... Which I have we been doing that much watching stuff on TV? I mean, I I, I I don't feel like we have.
1: Not really. Not more than normal, I think. However, since we have more limited daily activity, I think when we spend time at night watching TV, it sticks with us more because it's like the highlight of our day now. (laughs) So
0: my recommendation is the show Dead to Me Season 2 is on Netflix right now. Get in there and watch it. I haven't finished it yet. i It on is like giving episode me five.
1: so much anxiety. It's, yeah. it's like, it's such a, gr- it's a great show. Yeah. So go yeah. check it out. It's on Netflix, Dead to Me Season 2. And don't forget, you can always access our entire back catalog of I Am Salt Lake Podcast at Iamsaltlake.com. And make sure to subscribe so you never miss a single episode. You all
0: have a great week. Get out and enjoy Salt Lake City if you can. Support local when possible. And we're going to see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast.
1: And good night, Grammy.